depression, anxiety, talk about it with me. Strange dreams, same page, safe place, therapy is great, and this ain't the same, but we're crying behind sunglasses anyway. Crying behind sunglasses. hey Welcome to Crying Behind Sunglasses, a mental health podcast for cool people. If you're new, welcome to my weird world. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review after the show. And if you've been here before, thank you for coming back. You like me. You really like me. It's been almost a year since I started this podcast, and I'm just so happy to see the response and to see that it's making a difference in people's lives. Uh, I'm always getting messages how this show just makes people feel less alone. And it feels like you're, you're listening to some friends commiserating about similar things to whatever it is that you've been through. So I'm happy to be doing it. And uh, after the show, if you want to learn more about the guest or anything we talk about, you can go and check out the episode guide on cryingbehindpod.com, or you can follow me at Katie Dahl on all the things. Uh, We also have the private Facebook support group at facebook.com slash group slash cryingbehindpod. And also, of course, you can follow the podcast on Instagram at crying behind pod. Uh, A little bit more business to get through before I tell you about today's guest. Uh, Some exciting business, actually. Going to a bi-weekly release schedule for now because dun, 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 I'm launching a Patreon next month. And I know, I know, people have been telling me to do this for a long time, but I wanted to wait until I had earned it. I wanted to prove myself to all of you that this is actually something worthwhile. So I'm going to be launching it in July. Um, Once I have a date, I'll get back to all of you. I'm thinking, you know, middle, end of July. And I want to make sure that it's good. I want to put together some amazing content. So I'm taking this extra time and uh, only releasing the podcast every other week until we launch the Patreon. So I have that time to put together some really cool content for you. And if you have any ideas about what you would like to see from me as far as bonus content goes, um, drop me a line at cryingbehindpod at gmail.com. Very excited about it. Now, something else I'm excited about feeling super supported by the community for this, there's a secret I have been keeping from you all. Your girl's going to be on a reality show. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So it's called Backyard Bar Wars. It is hosted by Chris DiStefano. Um, By the way, shout out, Chris. I'm going to get you on this show here, and I'm going to interview you soon. Uh, It's also hosted by the Downing Brothers. Uh, They made over our backyard, and I got to compete with a friend of mine, Emily Nicole Kirk, who also got her backyard done. It's just a blast. It's just a really silly, fun home improvement show and not something I ever thought I would do in my life. But you know what? YOLO, right? Uh, So the air date for that episode as of now is July 15th on True TV. Uh, That might change, but if you're following me on Instagram, I'll keep you posted. So with all that housekeeping out of the way, I'm sure you're thinking, Katie, this is a mental health podcast. Why are you not talking about depression, anxiety, etc.? Why are you not giving me hot tips to live my best life? I promise you, I'm getting there. Um, disclaimer, I am not a doctor. This show is not a substitute for medical advice. I'm just a person who really cares about your mental health and I want you to be happy. So 
On that note, today's episode, we have one of the comedy greats. She has been doing stand-up comedy since the 70s and currently has not one, but two Showtime specials. Uh, Her name is Carol Montgomery. The special, which you can check out on Showtime, is Funny Women of a Certain Age, featuring Fran Drescher and Caroline Ray and many other amazing female comedians. We talk about surviving the pandemic in New York and how it felt like a zombie apocalypse, her long and storied history performing in New York, LA, and Vegas when comedy was even more of a boys club than it is today, entertaining the troops in the Middle East and Korea, and uh, her own personal struggles with OCD, stage fright, getting over trauma, anxiety, and ways that you can pick yourself back up. So... I hope that you enjoy today's episode. Please welcome Carol Montgomery. Hello. Hi. Hello. (laughs) Hello, hello, hello. How are you feeling today? How's it going? I am. I am. It's funny because when we were doing the pre-show, you mentioned bubble bath, and I actually took a bubble bath last night. So that was so much fun. By the way, I'm 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 cat sitting. So if you see the cat, you'll see a tail. That is uh, that's Lil. So she she may she may join us. So oh nice. Vanessa Holling said, who was in the first special of of mine, she went. She's cat sitting in Long Island, and she Uh said, I know sometimes you like to get out, you know, uh, out of your where you are sure Uh, and so because i live with my mother-in-law and my husband so it's a and it's a 900 square foot apartment so she says come stay with me and the first thing i said to her was do you have a tub (laughs) (laughs) yeah because that's that's a luxury especially in new york city yeah, and so so I I find I got to take I haven't taken you know because I'm I, I was a road comic for many many years mm-hmm. and then of course the pandemic hit and so everything went to shit, so I hadn't taken a bath in over a year so I just kind of just laid it so to answer your question I'm great I took a yeah. massage today I'm like doing this like you know uh, staycation they call it I'm like I said to my husband I'm going to take a massage I'm going to do because. Because you know, in life, you just keep going and you keep going, and then all of a sudden you're you're totally fried. And what I noticed, uh, especially with the pandemic, we uh, like everything stopped. And I'll get into really how everything really stopped. Yeah, absolutely. But everything stopped, and so we had to learn to deal with that. And then in the last month or so, because you know my husband and I are fully vaccinated, and the world, New York City, is pretty much open now. Yes. And and I said to my husband. Oh, okay. This is nice. So we we both said this at the same time. Yeah, we'll we'll ease back into what we were doing, gradually, and it's been like it opened and boom, and then everything started again. So that's why I said to my husband, I need I need to just take a couple of days. I'm going to yeah. go stay. It's a little bit overwhelming. I was actually thinking about this today, like because I've started getting invited to to parties and things mm-hmm. again. I mean, not to brag. I guess I'm popular, <laughs> <laughs> but like. It's interesting because during the pandemic, FOMO went away. Like, there's mm-hmm. no fear of missing out on anything. Now, like, the FOMO's kind of back, but I also am having this new feeling that it didn't have before, that I am now terming FOGO, fear of going out. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's a good term. That's a, I, I know people, yeah, it's it's got to be scary, especially because, like, we were the epicenter and then you guys became the epicenter. Yeah, and it's, I'm not even really as scared about the virus because I'm vaccinated. It's more so just like, oh, it seems so overwhelming to socialize at a party with more than 10 people right now. Like, oh, I just, yeah. 
you know, that's something I haven't done in a while. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely feel you. I mean, like on Facebook, you know, the pictures will come up about, hey, remember this memory. And my son sent me a picture as me and him. We had gone to, um, it's not called Giants Stadium now, but whatever the stadium is that the Giants play at. We went uh-huh. to go see Springsteen years ago. And he sent me the photo and I shook. I was like, yeah, how did I, like, you know, it was like yeah. 50,000 people at a concert. And I'm like, I, I get pissed <laughs> off now when there's somebody behind me at Whole Foods, like moving close. I'm like, excuse, move back. Yeah, back excuse up. me. I have a personal bubble. Right. So it is, I, I totally get why you're like that because it's, it's very, it's like, it's like we're, it's like the zombie apocalypse happened and now we're all walking into like going, okay, what's happening now? And like, it's very, it's a very strange feeling. Yeah. Like I used to do hot yoga and I don't know if I'll ever do it again because the idea of being in a room with strangers and it's Mm. 80, 90 degrees and everyone is sweating right, right. all over each other. I don't know. I don't know when I'll feel cool doing that again. I, it was, yeah, yeah. That's gotta be, yeah. That, that, that's creeping me out. You just saying that like, (laughs) Yeah, it, it, it feels, uh, I don't know if you're one of those people who hates the word moist, but it feels very, <laughs> it feels very, very moist. moist. Yes, well, that was a long time ago. I'm in my 60s. Moist is not a word I use anymore because <laughs> I'm no longer moist. Um, but when I took my massage, it was interesting because I took my mask off and they have you lay down. And yes. the whole time I was having the massage, I was like, did they sanitize this? Like, like you really start thinking that way. You do, you do. Even though you, we know we're vaccinated, it's, you know, so, you know, so if in two weeks, I get the virus. You know where I got it from? From the massage. From the massage. Or from your friend's cat. I mean, yeah, from my friend's cat. But she, yeah, because <laughs> she, yeah, she's been out scatting around and stuff yeah. like that. Are you um, a native New Yorker, or did you move there from somewhere else? No, I am. I am born and bred. I I grew up in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, wow. New York. Um, I actually lived in Los Angeles. My son is was born in um, St. Joseph's Hospital in Burbank. Yep. Um, so, uh, what, cause I've been doing stand up forever. Uh, you know, the, the, first of all, there weren't as many people doing stand up. That's number one. So it was kind of an unwritten rule that when you started in New York, you, you, you know, you, you did your whatever, you know, you, you put in your time, you put in your time. And at a certain time you would go and then you'd move to Los Angeles. It was like, that's what people did. You just went to LA and tried your luck out there. Sure. So I, I started stand up in 79. So I was 21. I think I ended up, I want to say I ended up in LA around uh, 27 or 28 years old. And um, so, and then I was in LA for 10 years and then we moved to Vegas for 10 years and then we came back home. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I saw that in your bio that you had um, performed in Vegas for 10 years. What was that like? What was the show that you were part of? Was it just kind of different stand-up shows or was it a consistent show that you were doing the whole time? It was a long running show. It actually just closed, but I think they're going to reopen it, but it was called Crazy Girls. And it was, um, have you been to Vegas? I have been to Vegas. Um, I have not been to Crazy Girls, but actually I remember my brother went to Crazy Girls because he has an autographed poster from Crazy Girls in in his house. Oh, that's hysterical. (laughs) What, do you remember what year he went? God, well, it was when he turned 21. Okay. I remember that. So so over 10 years ago, I would say, let's, let's do some math here. Um, 
maybe 2007-ish. Oh, I just, well, I I was in Crazy Girls. Okay, now we have to do this. My son was four, so that was 96. (laughs) I I was in Crazy Girls for five years, so I didn't see him. But but that's so funny that you have the signed poster. Yeah, he had the signed poster. I remember he was like, as soon as he turned 21. And also just to give you a little bit of context, my brother has autism and like he's high functioning, but like you can tell that he's different and he's never had a girlfriend. Uh He's been... Like he has, he has crushes on girls, but he's too shy to actually do anything about it. So it was really funny because when he was going to turn 21 and he said, I want to go to Vegas and I want to see naked girls. Everyone was like, (laughs) okay, (laughs) well, sure. Sounds like a plan. Yeah. And crazy girls is pretty, I can't tell you how many 21 year olds showed up at that show. Like over the years. I mean, we did so many shows. Like I think we were doing. 21 shows a week or something ridiculous. We were doing three shows a night at one point. Wow. So, so how do you keep and, your stamina up for something like that? Um, the paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, first of all, I wasn't, I was only in the show for 10 minutes. Like I, I they, the show opened, I came out, I was the host. Sure. I welcomed everybody. And then I brought the girls back out and then I did stand up in the middle of the show. So I was only doing 10 minutes maybe. So it, it wasn't really that bad. Okay, so and you weren't one of the quote unquote crazy girls. No, no. no. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I was like, I didn't know how a polite way to ask that was. I was like, were you naked or not? Carol? <laughs> what was so funny. You'll love this because male yeah. comics are just pigs. Yeah. So I can't tell you when I first, cause the reason I got the show was mm-hmm. I was working next door at the comedy club. Okay, and then the the woman who was working had gotten ill, and they asked me to fill in for her while I was doing the other club. So that's where I did like thirty shows. I went back and forth, comedy club, crazy girls, comedy club, and then I got offered a year contract. What was so funny was that all of the guy comics would come in when they heard I was in the show because I you can't see because we're in a square, but I have huge tits. So they were uh-huh. like, "Oh my God, Carol Montgomery's going to be naked!" And then they, it was me doing stand up, and they were they would come out and they were like. Oh, it was a great show. It's really good. You know, really. You know, they were so disappointed. It was so. It was, but every. I mean, yeah. What a compliment, though, that they would be disappointed after seeing these beautiful women, but all they wanted to see was was you, me naked. And every, I'm telling you, at the beginning when I first got there, I literally would go out when I was doing stand up, and I could because the way you could see where the hallway where the audience went in, there was always a comic watching to see if I was going to get naked. It was it was it was so stupid. That's that's really funny, and what what a wild time. But I mean, I could see that. Absolutely. I mean, men have always been like that and will always be like that forever. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure if I said the same thing, if I said, oh, I'm performing at Cheetahs or (laughs) (laughs) whatever. She's going to be naked. That's the first thing they go to. She's naked. (laughs) Yeah. And how, how has that been for you? I mean, I'm also a woman in comedy. This is like, uh, it's, it hasn't been an easy road for me, but I can't even imagine in the earlier years what it was like. Often you're probably the only woman on the lineup. Yeah. And how did you deal with that? Well, I was lucky. And, you know, I've been asked this a lot because I was, remember, I, I started stand up in 79. So there right. were, I mean, you could count how many fe- women there were. They were on your hand. Like literally it was, there was about maybe a dozen of us, maybe 20 tops. And now yeah, of course, there's- that existed in the whole country. <laughs> yeah. In the whole country. Yeah. So, but, but 
I, 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 my husband and I talk about this a lot because I was, I've been with my husband basically since I started doing stand-up. I mean, I started, like I said, in 79, but I met him in, I think, 81. So, you know, when I was doing The Road and all that stuff, I don't know if, the, if it's like a bro rule or, or what, but nobody bothered me. Really? Like they, they knew, but also, uh, the more you get to know me, you'll, you'll, they, everyone was afraid of me. Yeah, you're more, you're intimidating. Yeah, I was very intimidated. So nobody really ever tried to do that, or mm -hmm. you know, uh, you know, if if you blow me, I'll give you a spot. I'd let, you know, I'd be, I'd be like, I, I'm not, I'm not swallowing for a fucking spot. Okay, do you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> And I know guys who have done that, who've said that to women. So that's why I, I, you know, no one's ever said that to me because it's like, you know what? I'd rather not suck dick. I'd rather not have a spot. Do you know? So, yeah. so I was very, 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 very lucky. And um, one of the reasons I created Funny Women of a certain age was because I noticed that the genre and the, the, uh, the female comic genre, we still, we still are like considered a sideshow. Oh, yeah. we have a lady. La, 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 la. Go fuck yourself. Do you know what I mean? Because it's uh -huh. it's annoying. Well, the fact that we have to say, oh, I'm a female comic. No one right. ever says, oh, this male comic. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so and that alone shows you that it is uh, still not normal. Right. No. And I and when there's a when there's a special or anything, you know, women are still expected to have a lot of their majority of their set talking about the fact that they were a woman. And it's right. like, that's fine. Like if that's what you choose to talk about, but you might right. want to just make like jokes about the state of the world. Right. right. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. And any way you can get out there as a woman to be seen, you know, like I'm going off on a tangent here, but there used to be like the, the women that made it were either someone like Roseanne or someone mm -hmm. like Rosie O'Donnell. Mm -hmm. And that was it. That was the two types. You were either, you know, either you were gay or you were unattractive. Okay? Yeah. And, we, and, then, and by the way, she's using air quotes. Most people I'm sorry. Li listening to this. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, it's like, <laughs> I'm just letting everyone know because I, I think that uh, women of every shape are beautiful, but there is a societal standard of, oh, that person is overweight. They right. must be funny. Right. Right. So, and then, and, and this goes back, this goes back from when Phyllis Stiller Mm -hmm. was doing stand-up you know she used to wear that fright rig and she'd ah that that laugh because yep. women couldn't be and phyllis stiller was beautiful she was a oh, beautiful yeah. woman so what's happened is now as we've as more women have joined the group there's a lot of attractive women and it's blowing guys minds that there are women out there that are stunning talk and doing stand-up. It's just like dry. It's like, wait, well, uh, that, that, that can't be right. That right. That it is confusing for them. No, it is very confusing. And I think that like, even though I've only dipped my toe in the stand-up waters, it's mostly been improv and sketch and hosting shows. Like it's still, it's really interesting because someone, if someone meets me for the first time and then they find out that I do comedy, there's like a, yeah. a confusion. You're too pretty to be a comedian. That, uh, yeah, that's... I'm not allowed. Thank you. Also, thank <laughs> you. But apparently I'm not allowed to be pretty and funny. I got to choose one. And I'm right. sorry to say, fuck off. I'm going to be both. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, it, 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 it was interesting because I used to wear, um, I always downplayed how I looked anyway. And that has nothing to do with comedy. That has to do with my own bullshit from childhood. So, because sure. I, I developed early. 
you know, uh-huh. I de- so I was, I'm, I was, I, you know, I was probably like a 36 C when I was 16. Wow. So when my parents were of no help because my father uh, was a, a high school teacher. And so he spent the whole day with kids and didn't want to fucking talk to me. Mm-hmm. And when it came for the talk, he brought me home a fucking pamphlet from health class and went, read this. So, so I have issues, not from comedy. This is way back when you develop really early. Like in, in middle school, all the guys wanted to like poke my tit. You know what I mean? Just, just to see what, because they didn't know what it was. Yeah, yeah. And you, you, you don't want to stick out because a lot of the other girls haven't developed yet. So there is right. an impulse to protect right. yourself by what? Wearing baggy clothes or covering right. up or things like that. And I mean, that's really normal. I think a lot of women go through that. Right. So so, so for me, when I started doing stand-up, I always dressed very uh, non-sexual. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, like jeans and T-shirts. Like you said, baggy clothes. Every mm-hmm. so often I put on a, a Betsy Johnson. Sh- like I used to love, uh, Betsy Johnson used to have these adorable dresses and I'd wear them with Reeboks because God forbid I should actually wear heels. I had a show, <laughs> you know. So so it, so it is interesting. Yeah, I think I, that culture still happens though. And a lot of women, um, like I remember when I was doing a lot of stuff at UCB, it was kind of they. I don't remember if it was a written rule, but it was kind of an unwritten rule that you're not supposed to do improv in a skirt or a dress. Nice. Uh, okay. And also that like there was an improv uniform for a while, which again, I think it has changed. That was just like jeans and a flannel. Right. And if you wore right. that, then you would fit in and right. maybe people would forget you were a girl. <laughs> right, right. Well, what's so funny about, and I've always been a tomboy, you know, I've always, yeah. you know, I, 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 you know, I, I always, I always have been this way. But for the second special, um, I decided to glam up just a tad when it came to the makeup because I had a, a much more subtle look when I did the first special. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so, you know, I had a little more fi- false eyelashes, a little more makeupy stuff. And I remember... Mm-hmm. My EP, who, you know, who are, you know, we sold the show together, said to one of my friends, is Carol going to be okay with all that makeup on? <laughs> he was so worried because I, you know, because I'm so not that type of girl. So, it, you know, and, and, and in the second special, I really, for me, glammed it up. I was wearing a, you know, Donna Coran pantsuit and I had my hair and I had the, but that's not, like, as soon as I got off stage, I was like, can I take these fucking heels off? Jesus Christ. <laughs> I know a lot of comics, um, I, I've watched some of your stand-up and you, you said that you have certain neuroses. Um, what category do you think those would fall into um, as far as like, do you ha- have uh, more depression, anxiety, OCD, none of the above? Uh, <laughs> I think I have OCD. I know I, know I have some, like a mild form of it because my son has OCD. So I, so I don't know if it's genetic. I really don't. I just, I just know that there are things because people always, when it comes to OCD, people, because it's obsessive compulsive disorder. Yes. People always, people always do think of the obsessive, like um, the TV show Monk, where he was always washing his hand, but compulsive is also part of it. So like in my, the thoughts. Yeah. So I have, yeah, the, that's the, that's the part my kid has. And I have too. Is uh-huh. that you know you know I I can, my brain will not shut off, mm. so um, depression is an interesting thing because I 
I'm assuming, of course, I, you know, I mean, of course, especially during the pandemic, I'm sure we were all depressed. Yes. And anxiety, you know, I was thinking about this because I knew I was coming on here. Everything, of course, you know, stems back to your childhood, right? Pretty much. I mean, I think that there's, uh, there's nature, Mm -hmm. there's nurture, right? And then there's all the rest of the things that happen after you leave your parents' house. Right, right. <laughs> so so with anxiety, I get very anxious if I think I've done something wrong. Yes. And I've had this, I've had this issue for years. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, if, if something goes wrong, I, I, like I, I get like, oh my God, what did I do wrong? Like a good friend of mine who does mediation, uh, we were talking about it one time and she said, you know, things go wrong. Yeah. And it's not always your fault. (laughs) Do you do that thing where if you have a conversation with someone and you say something that you didn't want to say, or like you didn't come up with the right comeback in the moment, then you're replaying it in your head after? Um, no, no, that I don't, that I don't worry about. But, but like for when you, when, you know, because I, not only did I create the, 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 uh, funny women, but I also was the executive producer of the shows. Yes. And I also produce the live versions of the shows. So I have a lot of shit in my head. And so you're performing. When, and I'm performing. So when something goes wrong in that, I'm assuming it was something I did. Mm. So so that's where the anxiety comes from. Like for years, when I was in Crazy Girls, I was always worried I was going to get fired. Mm-hmm. For no reason. I mean, they loved me there. They loved me there, you know. And then, of course, I did end up getting fired, but it was for a whole different reason. But so, so whenever it it is interesting, it's 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 been a real challenge. And this was the year that I decided that I was going to conquer that. So now, when something happens that goes wrong, I don't immediately go to what the fuck did I do? I'm like, okay, who, who did this? And let's figure it out. And that's a huge accomplishment for me because. You know, I always wanted to, I grew up in, a, I don't, I, I don't want to say, it wasn't an abusive home, but there was a lot of fighting. Parent, my sure. parents, you know, fought and everything. I mean, so, um, so, the, so, you know, like a lot of people, a lot of comics have control issues. Mm-hmm. So for a long time, I had a lot of control issues and I've worked on that too. It's like, not my fucking problem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, yeah. it takes a lot. And I'm 63 and I'm just learning how to do this. I understand that though, because it's like, this is your baby, this show, you created it, you're, you've got your hand, you know, in, in every single aspect of it. So it is difficult when something goes wrong to not immediately say, oh shit, what, what did I do this time? Right, right. Instead right. of looking at the big picture and just from an objective point of view and saying, okay, wait, what actually happened? What is the right. cause and effect here? Right, right. I, maybe you don't need to immediately blame yourself. Right. Right, but most comics do. I think most comics always blame themselves for for whatever their problem is. Yeah, it's it's just my fault, you know. It's so much easier to just go, ah, I fucked up, you know. But it this was a great year for me because that was the one thing the pandemic taught me was uh, you had you have to let go of what 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 is happening in life. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because uh, and this was what I was going to tell you and that I was going to mention uh, when we were talking in the pre-show. Yeah. So, look, the pandemic was horrible for the for it's the one time where we as humans all could relate to this right but my thing was is (laughs) we taped the today show and it aired uh the uh i think it was friday the 14th because the yeah because the special the second special aired on the 15th of march oh in 2020 
yes, that Monday, the world shut down. Yeah. So, so for me, and this is something about when I talk about letting go of stuff is it, it was done. There was no comedy, as you know, there was nothing there. And you're like, okay, I just built this great project. The first show, we were the top rated, uh, comedy special for Showtime in 2019. So we were just coasting like, we're going up, la, 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 we're not going up. Nobody's going up, everything sucks. So those first few months of the pandemic, I was devastated. Yeah, because you had a whole tour planned right. oh, with yeah. all of these women that are featured on the Showtime special and that whole thing had to be completely scrapped. Scrapped. And so you, so I didn't do anything. I literally did nothing. Hmm. You know what I mean? And um, and then and people kept saying, oh, you should try the Zoom shows. They're great. And I'm like, I'm not doing this. I was like, I'm never doing a Zoom show. I fuck the Zoom shows. <laughs> and um, what happened was is that the people over at Stand Up New York started doing outdoor shows uh, in Central Park. And I literally live, I, I literally walk up the block and make a right and I'm in Central Park. That's how oh, close I am to Oh, you're so say. lucky. I yeah. love that. So... So that was my, my, my savior because I was able to go out and do something, even though, you know, doing a show in Central Park, there are Frisbees going by, there's guys smoking weed, there's the gay guys having their pride. I mean, like there's all the babies are crying, dogs are barking, but I was able to engage as a comic and that brought me back because I was, I mean, that's probably when I was the most depressed because there was just, you know, and my husband works on Broadway. He was literally in rehearsals for a show when they literally walked in and went, okay, go home. Wow. And everyone was what like, what? Do you do um, behind the scenes or? Um, yeah, he's behind the scenes. He's a okay. kid wrangler. He, um, uh, when, uh -huh. whenever there's children in the show, they, they're by law, you have to have somebody there to protect them basically. Yes. So, so they don't end up like Judy Garland. Right. <laughs> so it, it literally w went from, we're both working, we're doing this and then gone. Yeah. So we were both kind of, I guess, depressed because with the, our leaders were saying to us, it'll be over by April. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I mean, but here we are and we're almost, I guess, everyone's vaxxed. We're getting back to the world. Right, thank God. Right, uh, right. And but I, I'm sure those first few months are crazy because it's like, especially with you and your husband, it, it would be great if at least one of you wasn't in the entertainment industry or wasn't right. an industry that wasn't affected by this, right? But instead, it's just a one-two punch. And wow. how did you two find your way out of that dark place? Well, uh, we ate a lot. <laughs> great. Me too. You know, because somewhere in the back of my head, I was like, the world's done. We're done. This is it. I, you know, I, at least I can say I was in the, you know, like I'm, I, I made a couple of shows that'll, there's history. I've always wanted to be because I love television so much. So I, I know that I'm part of history now. Do you right. know what I mean? Yeah. I said, all right, this is it. I'm making pizza every night. I'm making, you know, like we literally and we we drank like motherfuckers. And um, <laughs> and then at some point we both said, OK, well, the gyms are closed because we used to go both. You know, we like to work out. So we made sure we walked every day and it was very bizarre in New York because um, you, you, you live in L.A. Everyone's in cars anyway, so it's not as obvious but in new york there was nobody on the streets yes that's what i heard i actually so i lived in new york for a few years because i went to nyu um so i am familiar with the city mm -hmm. and it was really weird to see my friends posting all these photos of the empty streets because it's usually teeming with people yeah and we would walk on the upper east side where there was i mean if you think it was bad on the upper on the west side 
I mean, nothing. There was no nannies. There was no, you know, maids. There was no butlers. They, everyone was gone. Everyone left the city. Hey, so if you're someone that's been listening this far, obviously you're into what I'm doing here and you care about improving yourself in your life, right? Otherwise you wouldn't have taken the action to hit play on a podcast about crying. <laughs> so I'm happy to say that this podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. What is BetterHelp? It is the best and biggest provider of online counseling and you can go on there, you fill out a quiz and they will match you with a qualified therapist, not just a chatbot, it's a real person with thousands of hours of experience and certifications who can help you, uh, whether you're going through anxiety, depression, OCD, uh, you know, social anxiety about re-entering society, whatever it is, they have someone who has experience who can help you. And you can choose uh, the gender. You can choose to find someone who is LGBTQ friendly. They're very inclusive there as well. So definitely something to check out. And I have a special deal for my listeners, my sunnies. You get 10% off your first month if you go to betterhelp.com slash cryingbehindpod. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash cryingbehindpod. I know that you used to perform overseas uh, to entertain the troops. Yes. And I'm wondering, uh, what, where did you go to perform? And also, what is it like entertaining people in a war zone? <laughs> well, okay. So I've, I've, I was asked for many years, you know, I, I, was, I was always asked to do that. I was always asked to go overseas. And it was around the time when I had my son. So I was like, I'm not leaving my baby. I'm not leaving my baby. And sure. then my son, my son turned 18 and I went, I'm leaving my baby. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. see ya. And um, they had reached out to Armed Forces Entertainment, which is, um, it's not uh, the U USO. It's the actual government's version of entertainment. So I was producing a comedy festival back then called the New York Underground Comedy Festival. And they, they reached out to us. And so we, you know, we'd like to, we want to get some comics going. Can you set up a showcase? And, uh, and I always thought that I was too dirty because I'm a blue comic. You know, I'm, you know, I can, I can pull back. I mean, I've been doing stand-up so long that I know how to make a clean show. Mm -hmm. I just don't want to because, right. you know, but I can't. So we did the showcase. I had a bunch of comics and they said, well, why don't you perform? And I said, no, I'm not really, you know, it's not, you know, the troops won't really care for me. So then about two months later, we had another showcase and um, they asked me to close, you know, my the people we were producing it said, why don't you close it? So I closed the show and I was doing because I was like, well, I'm not going to go because I'm dirty. And I went out and did my shit. Mm -hmm. And the head of the officers entertainment said, OK, you're going to Iraq. I went. Okay. Wow. Yeah, all right. So, um, <laughs> you know, all the other tours were great. But going to Iraq, it was my first tour. And that was the one uh, that was the scariest. It wasn't a war the way we know what war is. It was still a war zone. So, sure. like, we ended up in one base. And a week before that, there had been a, a you know, a missile strike. Literally in the place that we, were, that we end up doing our comedy there. So they had, you know... And that, just to scare you just a tad, 
one of the things they teach you, because we did the original outdoor shows were when we were in, we would do shows in the base, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they show us where we're going to be. You know, we got there and uh, they, they're showing us around and everything. Okay, tomorrow at this time, you know, at like whatever hours, you'll be here. So a couple of things about what you need to do. If you hear sirens, this is what the, the CO says to me. Yes. Hit the deck and, and crumple into a ball. And I went, because I don't know anything about the war. I go, wow. but there's a bunker. I, I literally, the bunker was, you see this? It was like over here. I mean, it was, I could, I could walk. <laughs> These were the scariest words I ever heard somebody say. He goes, you won't have enough time. <gasps> and I went, is there a bus back to New York? Because really, <laughs> I, I got to go. Uh, love you guys. I, it terrified me. I can't even imagine. I mean, you probably couldn't even sleep. No, it was, it was terrifying. And, um, and then the other thing we did, we were in um, Honduras and San Salvador, El Salvador. And we were staying at a hotel that was gated. It was like a holiday inn, but mm-hmm. it was gated with barbed wire because the gang situation out there is so bad mm-hmm. that they couldn't guarantee our safety if we left the hotel. Okay. So <laughs> Yeah, that's difficult. Yeah. So, 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 um, uh, but. And how was it when you were actually like meeting with the troops and, um, like performing with them for them? The best. They are the best audiences. We, we never had a bad show. Mm -hmm. We never had a bad show. They, they are, they're so happy that you're there. And a lot of times, like to me, the performance was the least of it more. It was more sitting with the guys after the show and just talking. And them, you know, because I have a Brooklyn accent, they're like, oh, you remind me of my mom, or, you know, and just literally, you know, hugging some of these guys because they, they, you know, I, I my, uh, they called me national mom because I would go out and I would do this because I would, I would hug these young guys because mm. you could tell, I mean, and when I was going, remember, my, I, I left when he was 18. So these guys were my son's age. Yeah. You know, these are, these are 18 year old boys going in to war. Mm. So, but they would, they could not have been, they were, they were one, 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 uh, one young soldier after the show came up, she said, my wife gave birth while you were on stage. Cause they all had cell phones. And everything. I said, yeah. I said, did you name the baby after me? He goes, no. I went, okay, good. Just, that's what <laughs> so what the fuck did you tell me for? But like, you know what I mean? Like it's so, but, but I, I could, I would go on, I would go and, and perform for the military anytime, anywhere, because I just, you know, it, there's no politics. You're just there because this is the job they chose to do. Mm-hmm. And you're there to just take, take, take their, you know, take their mind off of the bullshit that they have to deal with. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really interesting situation to be in because I could imagine they, they would be a great audience because they, like everything there is tragedy and death mm-hmm. and war. And they're just so excited to have anything that is right. not that. Right. And to have some camaraderie with someone from back home. Oh, yeah. And what was great was, you know, a lot of people don't know this about military, but most of, you know, the base, you know, that houses the soldiers, it's like little cities. They're little cities. Mm -hmm. But the people that, like the the porters or the cooks, they're locals. You know, they're people like, so the people who, you know, they get, they're vetted, obviously. But that was even more fun was watching the the iraqis watching the show and they would get some of it but they and they were enjoying themselves oh interesting yeah so so yeah i mean 
and, and for sometimes, uh, where were we? I think it was, was it Africa? I think it was Africa. Was it Djibouti? Which is the greatest name of a city in the world, Djibouti. Djibouti, yeah, it is a good name. The people that guard the base are sometimes hired out from somewhere else mm-hmm. to guard the base. So it, it, it's, it, you know, when people hear about the military, they, they, they assume certain things about it. But, you know, like it's only this and it's only that. A lot of times they're, the people are in the military and they're in charge of fixing the trucks. Yes. Yes. You know? Yeah. So, so it, it, I, I, it's funny because I think back now, cause my dad, I, one of the reasons I also did this was to honor my dad because he was a Korean war veteran. Like I, I never even thought that I could go into the military. I would have been a great fucking captain or, a, you know, or, you know, I'd have been a great leader. I'd have been a oh, great yeah. officer. I mean, you're, you're a badass. I think people would listen to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if I can get male comics to be afraid of me, what, think what I could do. <laughs> Think what I could do for, for, you know, if I was in the military. So For yes, your country. For my country. That's right. <laughs> I was saluting for the people who don't have. Yeah, for, for the people back home, she's saluting. She she I'm wants saluting. you to know that she's, she's going to do everything for her country, not just for herself. Right. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, you were saying that uh, you did this to honor your dad. Yeah. Is a Korean War vet. And I, th- I think that's really beautiful. Thank you. In fact, so the, one of the last tours I did was I, um, the gentleman that was booking all of the comedians. I called we we had, they wanted us back in Alaska. Uh, and I, this is the other thing I have, fr- like I still have a very good friend that who I met that were soldiers and uh, officers, and um, so he uh, he had contacted this gentleman and said we want them back. I'm leaving. You know, I'm going back to the states. We'd like to have the same group. Mm-hmm. So when I was on the phone with the, uh, with the guy who was booking the tour, I said, you know, my dad's a Korean War veteran. I really would like to go to Korea. I've never, I want to go to Korea. I want to see where, because yes. my father was injured in Korea. And so uh, so we ended up doing the tour and everything. And so we get to the DMZ. And I'm very good friends with the kid who was our bodyguard, for lack of a better word. Yes. Uh, and DMZ Shab- is demilitarized zone? The, de- the demilitarized zone. I just that wanted is, to make sure that we know right. the lingo. That's the, for the people who are listening, that's the place that you always see the pictures. Like you'll, you'll see, you know, it's literally, it's like a sidewalk block and mm-hmm. there, and it's very nondescript, two houses, two blue, uh, offices. And mm-hmm. if you go into the, this one office on the one side is North Korea mm-hmm. and then the other side is South Korea okay. and in the, and there's a table and yep. so, so, you know, of course you go there, you know, you, you, you make sure that the door is locked on the North Korea side because you don't want anybody grabbing you and throwing you into North Korea. Yep. And then, you know, so we, we had somebody, uh, one, of the, one of the soldiers went, okay, let me lock the door. Okay, now come over. And we walked over and went, all right, you've been in North Korea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you stepped on one side of the room. <laughs> right, and we're now and you, in North Korea. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it, it, and it was a very bizarre to be in the in the in the you know in that country mm-hmm. we went to a, a certain area where i think it might have been the air like we were standing in one of the places i think my father might have gotten shot so mm-hmm. they said okay there are cameras everywhere so don't do anything so of course i did this I flipped the, <laughs> she, flipped the, she gave him the middle finger i flipped them off and so i said i'm probably going to end up like starting something in you know uh, some kind of uh war between the, that american you know uh, yeah, but, there are probably photos of you flipping the bird just plastered oh, yeah. all over North and right. South Korea now. Yeah, all, all over North Korea going that that <laughs> that that infidel, that horrible, 
American who flipped that far off. It's like, well, you know, so it's, I don't know if I can travel that, that way anymore because I'm 63, but we literally went from, I think we flew for 25 hours by the time we went to wow. North Korea, I mean, South Korea, to Tokyo, to Guam, to Hawaii, to LA, to New York. It was a long fucking day. That, yeah, that sounds like a long day. And you're on the military planes. You're not just taking... No, no, life. actually, um, you fly... Everyone thinks it's military. When when you're flying there to wherever you're going, they fly you commercial. Oh. You only, you only fly in the military planes when you go like to a war zone. Like in Korea, you just went from base to base because it's not really considered a war zone. Sure. Now in Iraq, somewhere I have the picture. I wish... Oh, I, God damn. I probably could find it, but I, I, if I can, I'll send it to you. Yes. So... So we're going in the C-113, so C-130, which is, it's basically the plane that puts the trucks to take them. So sure. we're in this C-130 and we're loading up. And, and I was, even though everyone said everything will be fine, I was going into a war zone. Yes. And I was watching everything being loaded up and we're waiting to, to board the plane and everything. And, uh, and I'm just standing there. One of the guys who was a soldier, but he was, you know, in charge of loading the plane. And he took a picture of me. And I, I, the look on my face was like, all right, this could be it. <laughs> and uh, and he came up to me, goes, you'll be fine. You're going to be fine. They're not going to let anything happen to you, Carol. Don't worry about it. And when we came back, it was like a week later, and I saw him again, and he immediately came over and goes, I told you. Like, because <laughs> like he, he saw it in my eyes. And I, you know, this was a very like, what the fuck am I doing? Going, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and he was right. Because if, if something happens to any of the performers, they will never get anybody ever to go over to perform for the troops. So we had body car. I mean, we had people undercover, not undercover, plainclothesmen. Like you would never know that they were, but they're strapped. Like they're strapped with like fucking guns all so under you, their you shirts. So you had a lot of security. A lot of security. A lot of security. Yeah. Well, that's good to know in case ever in the, uh, in the future I get asked to perform for the troops. I feel like I would do it. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, I like to travel. Uh, I don't know. Under those circumstances, obviously, it's not not as fun. It's a little yeah, bit different. Yeah, there's no there's no stewardess going. Would you like coffee or tea? You no, know, but there's yeah. But you it, get it, to see something that very few people get to see. Oh and yeah, that's like a that's a very important life experience. And uh, before we go, I would love to ask you something that I ask all of my guests: a segment called Hot Tips. Hot tips, hot tips, hot tips. So, Carol, if you have a shitty day, you know, in the before times you bombed a set or uh, I don't know, maybe you and your husband get into a fight. I don't know what a bad day looks like for you, but, you know, you have a shitty day. You get mm -hmm. home. What is it that you do to turn that around for yourself and make yourself feel better? Well, because I don't have a lot of privacy, so I yes. can't do the usual, you know, uh, stuff like I talked about, like the, the massage or the bath or the walking around naked because there's other people that live with me. Usually what I will do is I will, I'll, I'll turn on the Marx Brothers. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there is, and I have seen these movies since I was a little girl, so I know them by heart. But I will put on, I will put on a, most likely, well, Probably duck soup, maybe a day at the races or a night at the opera. Probably duck soup or a day at the races. Those are my two favorites. And 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 then when when Harpo comes on, because he was my my idol basically. When Harpo comes on, I'm fine. As soon as I see him do his little face and his little gookies and his his physical comedy, and then he plays the harp, and then everything is okay with the world. Yeah, 
you know, yeah. and, 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 and like I said, and then Groucho and Chico, who are also brilliant comedians, but when I was a little girl and I would watch Harpo Marx, I would laugh because he's he was so childlike. And, and you know, he was my age when he was playing with the wig and the ha-ha, you know, and all that stuff. But that really went, to this day, my husband, when it's really bad, and knock on wood, it hasn't been really bad, he said, we need to watch the Marx Brothers. And that will lighten me up. It really will. Hmm. Yeah, that's a that's a great tip. I mean, that's a classic. You know, they, these movies were made in the 30s. So they were yes. doing they were doing this shtick in the 20s because they would did this live first in vaudeville and then they filmed basically they didn't really do movies they didn't have the script they just were like all right we're taking the stage thing and we're putting it over here yeah it still holds up it's a they're almost 100 years old and you know now some of the stuff is horrible some of the stuff is racist and you know like you go wow okay they you know but that would of course was the time too but for the most part most of the stuff still hangs, especially Duck Soup. The reason I always talk about Duck Soup is because it's a movie about war. Mm-hmm. So, and to hear the same jokes about, like, why are we still having war, and it's 100 years later, is pretty fucking brilliant. That is, that is. Yeah. And also the physical comedy, I think, yeah. is also what makes it timeless. That's why yeah. we can still laugh at it because it's universal. You don't even have to speak the same language, and it's still funny. Yeah. I will laugh at somebody falling every fucking time. Every time somebody <laughs> slips on a banana peel, that is the funniest thing to me. I'm like, real, you know, I, I'm, I'm not a cerebral comic. I got into Groucho later because he was more of the wordsmith. Uh-huh. But, but Harpo and Chico were the were the physical comedies. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I, I'm, a, I'm a total klutz and <laughs> I appreciate when people can laugh at me because otherwise <laughs> it's just too sad. <laughs> you know, yes. because I, like I, and it, it runs in my family. Um, my grandma's a klutz. I, my mom, me. Uh, I remember my favorite story about people being klutzes in my family. My mom was heating up a jar of caramel uh, in the microwave to, you know, pour over the ice cream. Oh. Like you do. She, oh. You can already see where this is going. So she heats it up in the microwave and she pulls it out and someone's in the kitchen, one of her friends or something is like, I don't think it's hot enough. She's like, oh yeah, it is. Sticks her finger in uh. hot caramel and burns it. And then what does she do? She sticks it in her mouth and burns her mouth. <laughs> so this is the, these are the people I come from. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Oh, I can just see that. Did she scream? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, it was funny. She screamed when she put her finger in, and then she put her finger in her mouth and screamed more. It's just, you know. Yeah. But I, that, that, those kinds of things have happened to me my whole life, and it's just, you know, I try, I try to be more mindful of the space around me, but it's, it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> um, I appreciate you coming on, uh, on the podcast you, today Katie. and, uh, everyone please should check out funny women of a certain age on Showtime. It's really great. And such an amazing collection of comics, including you, Thank um, you. Thank you're, you you're much. great to watch. I love it. And I, you know, you refer to yourself as a blue comic, but I feel like, you know, the kinds of stuff that you make jokes about, it's just things that we all go through. Yeah, I mean, but you know, that's, that has to do with, thank you, I appreciate that. But what it is, is that I grew up in the, I, I came up in comedy when women, 
you know, the the taboo of, oh, you, you shouldn't talk that way, you know, yeah. uh, you know, and so, so, and I, and it's important when I, when I talk to people about my, what I, how I talk, this, it's all organic for me. I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and, you know, I used to say this, fuck in New York is an adjective. <laughs> so, you know, for me to say it, it's, 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 it's not that I'm saying it to say it, it that's how I fucking talk. Yep. So, um, uh, and I do want to just say there is also the second special, which is more funny women of a certain age, which is uh, star Caroline Ray and a bunch of other great comics too. So there's two specials to watch. Oh yes. And uh, they're both on Showtime? Both on Showtime. Okay. Yeah. People should be checking those out. Absolutely. And we'll um, put the links in the episode guide and everything. Um, Thank you. Yes, on cryingbehindpod.com. And um, if people want to find you online, uh, where can they go to find you? Um, uh, Instagram uh, is Carol Montgomery Comic. Uh, Twitter is at National Mom. That was, like I said, the name that the troops gave me when I was over there. And you can find me on Facebook. You know, I probably won't accept your friend request because I hate people. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But yeah, but I, I mean, the only reason to, to do Facebook is to just let the pe- let people know that here's here's where I am. If I if you don't want to go to the website, which you can also go to, which is carolmontgomery.com or funnywomenofacertainage.com. But re- really, um, you, most I, I try to post as much as I can on Instagram and I'm not doing TikTok. So don't fucking ask me. Yeah, yeah. I have one and I've only posted a grand total of maybe three videos. I, I, there's only so many hours in the day. Exactly. Sorry. Exactly. I'd, I, I'd, I'm tapped out. Exactly. I know that people are making money off of it or whatever. I'm fine. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly how I feel because I'm just like, I can't. I can't. I, I can barely keep my, my brain going. That's like I said, that's how I know the world has come back because before the pandemic, my husband was like, you really need to hire an assistant because you're forgetting things. Yes. And now we're getting to that point again because I there's just so much to do, which is great, but it's like, all right, I've had a year off. I'm kind of like digging the not having to have my brain going in all different directions. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I feel that for sure. And, uh, we have to, we have to get back into like, okay, how are we going to cope with the busyness of the world? Cause it's it's not going away. Nope. Not, it is not. Not in in, in, in good ways and bad ways, you know, (laughs) I just keep hoping. I'm like, I just hope that we've conquered this. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I, I really do hope we've conquered this. And I, I, I do hope that like we're not meeting in six months and I'm going, hey, remember when we said that it was going back to normal? Oh, with COVID? Yeah. No, I mean, who knows? No, uh, the, the, the vaccines are new. People don't know how long they're going to last. Right. Um, I, I, you know, I'm not an anti-vaxxer at all. I think I believe in science. I've got both of my Me doses too. of the Moderna vaccine. However, no one can predict the future. If, if there's anything that we have learned from uh, from all of this, it's that no one really knows what's going to happen. No one does, you know? <laughs> so when someone like me who has control issues, that, that to me was the universe going, you have to stop trying because it doesn't matter because somebody, you know, one person spreads, you know, someone gets a disease and then it wipes out most, you know, <clears throat> life as we know it. So you, you're right. You don't, you, it, it, that's the best life lesson you can have is if the pandemic taught us anything is, is we have control over nothing. Mm-hmm. Live your life and enjoy your life and enjoy your friends and enjoy your family. And, you know, and, and, and hopefully we make it through to the other side. That's great. 
I don't think I can say anything more than that. So <laughs> and on we'll that leave you with that. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I hope that it made you feel a little bit less alone about whatever it is you have going on inside of your brain today. I'm here for you. And if you want to learn more about Carol Montgomery or anything else that we talked about today, you can go check out the episode guide on cryingbehindpod.com. Of course, check out Funny Women of a Certain Age on Showtime, as well as she is developing a solo show uh, with Caitlin Bailey called Whore's Eye View, which is about 10,000 years of history about sex work. So that's really interesting. And of course, like I said in the beginning of the show, you can check me out on all of the social medias at Katie Doll, K-A-T-Y-D-O-L-L-E. And the show is at Crying Behind Pod on Instagram and all the things. Uh, if you want to be a part of our Facebook support group, it's at facebook.com slash group slash crying behind pod. And of course, there's a lot more stuff in the description below. So I'll let you check that out and have your own little adventure with it. And until next time. Stay cool, stay present, stay sunny.